This man loves sheep. And that is completely normal. He has devoted his life to the health and protection of these trusting, soft, sweet, wool-giving creatures. He is a decent man, so just calm down. He has a girlfriend. Old Spice. Keep it clean. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and I present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. Don't you random banter with me. <laughs> don't, 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 don't you random banter with me. Random banter time, buddy. Talk to me. Tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. So we'll just get this right out of the way because we're going to be hitting on a lot. Simple Minds, don't you forget about me, Breakfast Club, because we are starting a brand new series of books called The Loners, and it's a mini series. The cover artist did something amazing with every single one of these covers. He did a pastiche of different John Hughes movies. Mm -hmm. And the first one is Breakfast Club, and we're going to throw that out there right now because we're going to be coming back to it a lot, I think. <laughs> and it's going to make my random banter choices real easy to do. <laughs> yeah. la, 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 la. <laughs> that, that's an easy one. That's an easy yep. one right there. <laughs> They're all going to be easy, my friend. They're all going to be easy for the foreseeable future. Today is Wednesday, March 16th. That's when we are recording this episode. And today, for those of you in the know, this was a day when many of us who threw our names in the hat went down to the comic book stores and said, please, please, please make the random gods love me. Did I get a copy of that sweet, sweet JLA Avengers book that Heroes Initiative put out to honor George Perez. There's 7,000 copies. Did I get one? I put my name in the on the list i was number five on the list in my comic book store mm. they got an allotment of four issues mm. so i did not get one and i missed it by one <laughs> which hurts i would have rather they've only gotten three allotments because yeah. then i could have said okay i was two off it's all yeah, good two off i wasn't one gonna off. get one one, one off Ugh, that hurts that does this is a very cool book for those of i mean I'm probably anybody who listens to this probably already knows. Jail Avengers uh, was a limited series crossover that was published in prestige format back between September of 2003 to March 2004. The art was done by George Perez. He is very sick at the moment, and there was a push. Any kind of crossover book that goes between companies, it's very, very difficult for them to get reprints because you got to get a lot of legal maneuvers out of the way. So this is something that... It was out there, but they never reprinted it because it's really difficult to do. They made it happen, and all the procedures are going to Hero Initiative, which is something that we talk about on the show a lot. It's something that George Perez really was a, a fighter for as well, and it's very cool that this limited number of books came out all supporting the Hero Initiative. Some of the stores that have put it out, they're doing it right, and they are doing raffles or they're doing online auctions with all the proceeds going back to Hero Initiative. I know I went ahead and threw 
my name in the hat for four raffle tickets at a nearby store here in town. Books with pictures, hoping to get a couple, one of their three copies that they got there. They're doing all raffle for their copies, which mm. I think is very cool. So I just wanted to mention that today. I think that's it's a very good thing that is being done. It's a very special issue, and it's it's for somebody who has done some great art and has given a lot to the comic book industry. So He really has. I've been seeing his uh, name pop up from a lot of people's mouths lately. A lot of artists and comic book people all just having nothing to say but really good things about him as well. Yeah. So I, I just that that's been on my mind today. I wanted to just mention it. How about you? What's you know what what about your life that's special that you want to take away from that you know really nice tribute I just did? No, that's really great. I'm going <laughs> to focus on myself instead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for setting me up for a fall. But I don't care. It's all about me now. I'm back from two weeks in Death Valley. We did do the family uh, trip to Death Valley. We drove down two days down, three days back. Question: I because we have been talking all night. And I haven't really seen anybody. I've heard people off camera, but that could easily been, you know, taped. Yeah. You went down with three of you. You came back with the same three people? Yes. We also had the option of coming back with a dog. Because when we uh, stopped for a bathroom break at a McDonald's in Susanville, a lady walks up and, like, knocks on her window. And it's like, hey. And it's like, hi. And she's like, do you want a dog? No. No, we don't want a dog. We got a car filled to the gills with garbage, just travel stuff. And we're 500 miles from home. And we're like, no, we don't want a dog. And the look on this person's face was disappointed. Like, I, I expected you to take this dog. This conversation is done. We don't need to explain ourselves to you. And she walked away like, but it's a great dog. I found it at a, at a rest area. And it's like, maybe what you did was steal somebody's dog. Who's going to come back for it? But we, we went down to Death Valley. We drove. Aurora was amazing on the drive. Out of a two-week trip, most, most of it being spent in a car, the last half hour on the drive home is when she's like, I'm bored. I want to be home. It's like, not a problem. We're going to be home real soon. <laughs> but it was great. We did lots of photography and night photography of the stars, lots of hiking. Aurora clambered and climbed up rocks. We did narrows, which are amazing little kind of sub canyons where you're like squeegeeing your way through and sometimes the, the roof goes away or you get these really narrow little slot narrows that you're, you know, you look it up and you're like, that's 50, 75 five feet of just very narrow rock going up to the sky it was just it was beautiful it was amazing lots of hiking lots of fun lots of sunburns and lots of just massively chapped hands from the very dry dry desert air and the winter conditions that we faced to get down there because we we left when it started doing the snowstorm which i think hit here so oh. yeah it was a lot of fun it was really needed to get away from kind of the world and we, we Because we went down, two of our friends went down too, so we got to spend some time with some friends. And Hillary's brother and his uh, wife went down there too on their Sprinter van, so we got to spend time with them. And then on the way back, we stopped in Salem and saw other mutual friends of ours and got to spend some time with them and see their tiki bar and stuff. And it was, oh, it was just so nice. It was so good to get away. And then we came back and immediately we're like, yeah, on the drive home, the vacation stopped as we're like talking about all the stuff we got to do. And it's like... Uh, as soon as we get home, we got to hit the floor running. Basically, as soon as we pull into the driveway, the, the just the garbage starts. So <laughs> yeah, one of them was me saying, "Hey, you're ready to record," and you said, "No, no, I'm not." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I sent Rick a text. I said, "Are we recording on Wednesday?" And he said, "Yes." And I said, "How about no? How about we do it next week?" And he's like, uh, "Well, what's in it for me if we do it next week?" And I said, "A co-host." <laughs> and I said, ah, no, no, seriously, what's in it for me? Yeah, like cash, like money, role. because the, the co-host thing, I mean, 
a sock puppet and a scarecrow. <laughs> an empty bag. An empty bag with a beer bottle in his hand. You know, I, <laughs> a mirror so you can have some agreeing opinions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enough of that. Enough of that. Yep. Let's go ahead and move on and let's talk about what happened last episode so we can get started with this episode. Ultron takes his meatbag son on a mental mind palace tour of his origin story while Vic's body takes down the runaways until Gert reminds him that his DVR dad killed his mom, freeing Vic from his dad's mind control so that him and his new pals can team up against the mean machine and get their collective tails kicked by him. The runaways then call for help by having Carolina blast a big radiant hole through the roof, which summons the not team of not heroes who get their collective tails kicked by Ultron until the mentally unstable Darkhawk shows up and crazy trains the bad bot into scrap while the runaways run away with their new best orphan buddy Vic. Now that the Excelsior's mysterious benefactor shows up and it's Rick Jones who convinces the Not team to become an actual active team and to go back to doing the heroics that they said ruined their lives, two sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for it? I am. <laughs> Okay, well, we've already talked about the cover of this issue, so let's go ahead and stay on that train. Reach in that bag and see what I'm talking about there. Uh, right in on this bag in the prison train. It is, hey, <laughs> I like it. This is Hop Tricks, naturally flavored with hops. It's a fruity IPA, and it looks like a box of Kellogg cereal with a little mascot, which is a little matchbook. On roller skates, holding a spoon filled with, I don't know, we'll say machios or hop tricks. It looks like all marshmallows hops. Little hop-shaped all marshmallow cereal. It looks like tricks are for kids. I mean, that, yeah, that's what does. we got here. It's it's the red box with the fruity things. It does. That is amazing. It's so funny. I love story time on it, too, which is store cold, drink fresh. This is... Hop Tricks by Matchless M Brewing, 6.4% ABV. This one's a throwback to the glory days of childhood that some of us may still be living. Here at Matchless, we are definitely still living those days, and we needed a beer that could be part of our complete breakfast. So we made an IPA with some of our favorite fruity hops like Centennial, Mosaic, Eldorado, Amarillo. We tested it, and we approved. Then before we knew it, a giant white rabbit was trying to pluck that fruity, delicious IPA <laughs> right out of our hands. Silly rabbit. Hop tricks are for grown-ups. <laughs> so why hop tricks as the uh, beer of choice for the episode? Oh, we've already said it, my friend. <laughs> we have this cover, which is a callback to yep. The Breakfast Club. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... And here's our breakfast cereal. And it's a beer. Beer yeah. for breakfast. That's what we say. That's yeah. right, kids. <laughs> I'm not too ashamed to say that I have had beer for breakfast in the past before. So I, I couldn't resist this. I was looking around for a lot of different things that were in this issue, and I saw this, and I said, mm, pump the brakes, pump the brakes. I've got me an idea. Of course you couldn't <laughs> resist it, silly rabbit. Man, that, ooh, that is fruity hops. That smells yep. like Fruit Loops. Yeah, it's not the sweet, artificial, fruity flavor kind of thing. No. This smells great. The, the idea that this that we're eating breakfast food kind of stops at what we've got there. But I think we are looking for fruity hops. I'm expecting this to be a strong IPA. I'm getting the hops in this, mm -hmm. in, just on the nose of it. It's it's a cloudy IPA, so it's got that cloudy amber, can't see through it. So it's translucent. You can see light through it, and it's bubbly. Man, that smell. It smells like starfruit. Yeah. To me, Take it smells like starfruit with a little bit of hoppy in the background. But I'm just enjoying the aroma of that. That's beautiful. It's got the 
hoppy kick in there. But yeah. there's a lot of good fruit and not strong. It's just a good melody of fruit of that, that sweetness, that natural sweetness that's coming in there. I'm sorry. I love the way this smells and the taste is nice. It's very fruity. It's very citrus forward yeah. without being like a specific citrus, but it's that store fruit flavors really coming through. It's, you, you know, when you make a fruit salad. Yeah. Okay. There you go. That's basically kind of the flavor, just not quite as sweet, but it still has some sweetness to it from all this fruit that's in here. This is tasty. Yeah, this is not bad. I like it. Mm, that's just pleasant. My goodness, this would be a great summer drink. <laughs> Too bad we're at the beginning of spring. My goodness, that would be a great drink to be having while I turn the heat up in the house more than once because I'm like, I'm cold. <laughs> I'm cold. Why is a window open? I'm cold. <laughs> My feet are freezing. I'm enjoying this. I think this is good. And I think this is going to be a good beer to so. help us through this issue. Mm -hmm. I hope. Let's I hope. find out. <laughs> and we'll see if we need the help through this issue. Let's see what we feel about that in about an hour. Let's go ahead and talk about this issue, though. Jeff, opening credits for this new miniseries. The Loners, issue number one, June 2007. Fear of Flying. Credits. Writer, C.B. Sabolsky. Artist, Carl Maline. Colorist. Christina Strain. Letterer, VCs Russ Wooten. Assistant Editors, Laser and Sitterson. Editor, Bill Roseman. Executive Editor, Tom Brevoort. Editor-in-Chief, Joe Casada. Publisher, Dan Buckley. And with special thanks to Brian K. Vaughn. Featuring the loners, Lightspeed, Darkhawk, Green Goblin, Ricochet, Turbo, and Spider-Woman. I guess we need to start with a trigger warning. The beginning of this book starts off with what feels and looks like a suicide attempt. Yeah, we should also say that it is not. But there are a lot of themes and issues the creative team pushes in this first couple of pages. And then more or less laughs it off. Yeah. We see a girl, Julie, standing at the top of a building, talking to a man named Phil. He is literally trying to talk her off of a ledge. Trying to convince her not to give up. To not throw away everything that she has worked so hard for. She emphasizes that this is her choice and she wants to be free. And then she steps off the ledge and starts to fall. And then to fly because that is her superpower. Julie smiling as she sails through the air is a joy. But I am not too comfortable equating falling off the wagon of not using your superpowers to jumping off of a building. More for us to discuss later. For now, Phil informs Mickey about what Julie did. Uh, that would be Phil, the former Green Goblin, and Mickey, the former Turbo, and Julie, the former, or still, Lightspeed. They, the two characters on the team who have power suits and not powers that are connected to them, are disappointed that Julie does not want to just ignore the fact that she can fly. They discuss what triggered her. A tall building, duh. And the current climate the superheroes are all in at the moment. We should take a moment to talk about the Civil War. States' rights. Superhero registration. Can't we just talk about the North and South instead? <laughs> yeah, sure, because that will not get political at all. So, no, the Civil War event occurred around 2006 and 2007 in comic books, not in reality. And it actually started with our old friends, the New Warriors. I still want to talk about the Oregon State University versus University of Oregon rivalry, but okay. What did Nova break this time? Nova, surprisingly, was not involved. But Night Thrasher, Namorita, Speedball, and Microbe were in a fight that went really bad. Nitro, another character we talked about recently on our Acts of Vengeance special, blew up and killed a bunch of kids and most of the New Warriors. That sounds 
really bad and not very Civil War-y? Well, I'm getting to it. Hindsight is disgusted by what happens and doxes all the rest of the New Warriors, publishing their identities. And this starts a ball rolling that ends with a superhero registration act that Iron Man backs. It requires superheroes to register and be trained in order to operate. Okay, I think I see where this is going. Yeah, there are some heroes who support this action, and there are others who do not. And so, there is a lot of fighting, and it is a thing. What we need to know is that it is the law for all supers to be registered. Failing to do this can cause serious consequences. But this is a book about people not being superheroes? It basically falls down to this. If you still have powers or tech, the government needs to know. Mickey and Phil touch on this as they point out that the Civil War was messy, and it should encourage people to stay out of the superhero game. This is all very heavy and talky. I want some action in my funny books. Let's get to the next scene. Okay, let's go to church then. We are outside of the Holy Trinity Church, and on the reader board is the proverb of Ezekiel 7.25. They shall seek peace, and there shall be none. You know what? That quote isn't comforting or warming at all, and it also is not punchy. In the basement of this church, the superhero support group has their next meeting. I want to support them, but I am also a tad sad. I really, really wanted Punchy Punchy. You just sit in that folding chair, Rick, and listen to the group talking about their problems while you eat your day-old donut and drink your stale coffee. <sighs> Fine. It really looks like they're complaining a lot more than they're sharing. First complaining about being on the basement of a church, and then following that up with personal attacks on each other. Can you feel the love in this room? Oh, oh no? Well, I guess the quote on the reader board was right. And we should point out that in this room is Mickey, a.k.a. Turbo, Phil, a.k.a. the Green Goblin, a.k.a. the Good Green Goblin, a.k.a. the former Good Green Goblin, and Johnny, a.k.a. Ricochet, and Chris, a.k.a. Darkhawk. We also have a new member, and since everyone is tired of waiting for Julie, she introduces herself. Maddie Franklin, and she was a teenage superhero. Hi, Hi Maddie. Maddie! She used to be a Spider-Woman. No, no, not that one. She was one of them, though. Like, the third one. Or the young one. She is letting this group know that she was taken by a group of drug dealers who were stealing her blood to get high. Whoa! What? <laughs> yeah, this is a thing that happens in this 616 universe. Some very clever and evil people found out that they could take the blood of a superpowered person and make a drug called mutant growth hormone that could give humans a high and superpowers for a very short time. Disturbing, disgusting, dangerous, and destructive. This explains why she ran away from New York to the East Coast. As Maddie finishes relating this upsetting backstory, understandably crying, Julie walks in, finishing up a phone conversation with her brother Alex, mentioning that she will tell them when the time is right. Well, that's ominous. Not really. Julie says, feel the quotes, that it's about telling her parents about becoming an actress. Julie is late because she was thinking they could go out after the meeting, something the two adults, Mickey and Phil, question after her stunt earlier in the day. This allows them to launch into their mission statement. Stop using powers and get out of being a costumed hero. Julie, standing up and defending herself against this intervention, points out that she has always been a superhero. She got her powers when she was young and has always felt that they were a part of her. This juxtaposes how the others interact with their powers. Chris was a teenager and can choose to use the amulet that turns him into Darkhawk. Mickey and Phil both have suits and technology to make them heroes. Johnny is a mutant, so his powers are part of him, but they developed in college. 
much later than when Julie got hers. And Maddie has only recently received her powers. Julie never had much of a life without her powers. For her, normal is the chameleon gift she received. It is a touching speech, ruined a bit by Chris mocking her passion as an act. While Phil and Mickey both agree that this is hard for her, and that she makes good points, there is a new understanding in the world, and they need to make some self-sacrifices. And it is at this point that Maddie steps up to talk about normal. Frisks. Okay, you know in the recent Spider-Man movies, Peter Parker has that stark spidey armor that has the four legs that come out of his back? Okay, you got that image? Okay, make those legs bone, and not part of any armor but actually come on out of someone's back. Welcome to the painful and not pretty normal side of Maddie's life. We want punchy and fighty, and we get body horror. Hooray! While Julie and Johnny can pass as normal and suppress their powers, Maddie has to constantly prevent her body from betraying her. And as she does a dramatic exit, Chris follows her. The normally abrasive boy does his best to calm her down and is surprised to see her smiling and laughing. It was all a show. She's acting like she wants to be here. It is part of the deal she made with her stepdad. While she does want to change, something has occurred that caused her to suit up again. The upshot is, is that she found out that the makers of mutant growth hormone have moved the shop and are out in L.A. now. Maddie points out that that is the same group that was pushing a drug they claimed came from Chris's power suit. Maddie convinces Chris that the best way to clear his name is to suit up and smash some bad guys. And maybe not tell the rest of the group that they are doing this. Because secrets! So, doing exactly the opposite of what the loners were trying to do. Pretty much. It seems to be the loner's way. Chris, being aware that his Darkhawk armor is something that he still does not understand, but knows that it is causing him to lose control whenever he uses it, pauses for a moment, looks at his crystal, and then powers up. This. This is why we can't have nice things. And while he flies them off, he makes her promise she won't tell the others. What about the person in the shadows that was watching them, all ominous-like? Quiet, you. Later in downtown L.A. Home of the fighting warehouses. It's always a warehouse, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But Maddie wants to be sneaky and stealthy, like a good spider person. But she forgot that she brought a rocket launcher to the cake party. Boom! Hey, you walk around with a big mystical gem on your chest that can cause havoc and try not to always blow things up, you get peanut butter. What does that even mean? I swear to you, I don't know. Well... Now, with all the people doing illegal things inside being aware that they are under attack, fighting occurs. Much fighting! A lot of fighting! So much fighting, I am not putting the sound effects in because there's a lot of them! In the midst of the chaos and smoke and sound effects, Darkhawk finds a gurney with a lady on it. It appears she is being divested of her precious essences, so he goes to help her. Boom! And Necra stands up and announces that she needs a no help. Uh, hey, Rick, you have a you have a line to say here. Uh, yo, Rick, quit uh, looking at the comic and say say your line, please. Uh, can, can you give me a moment and tell me who this lady is? <laughs> oh, uh, I see what's going on. You mean the uh, striking female wearing a strange assortment of strips of black cloth that gently obscure her private parts while showing off her sleek, sleek, stylish, muscled form? That would be her. Tell me about this torrid tidbit of toned and tattered temptation. 
Well, I will. Let's all meet Necra. She's been around since 1973, the daughter of a woman who was exposed to radiation. She has very Hulk-like abilities. The more angry she gets, the more impressive her physical powers are. She has vampiric looks, and she favors wearing scraps of black lycra for clothes. Okay, well, at least she is happy to be rescued, right? Um, in fact, no. She is, in fact, very angry, which kicks her powers up a notch, and she mops the floor with these two not-heroes, gonna-be-heroes, whatever they are. She even uses Darkhawk's chest blast to nail Spider-Woman. As she holds up the two fallen, question mark, heroes, she informs them that she would not let them destroy what they have worked for. Why is she telling these two people who have been knocked out? It's standard operating procedure for a villain. Hey, look, it's uh, Ricochet, here to save the day. Okay, but he is pretty much like Spider-Woman, and she just got owned, so nighty-nighty Johnny? Not so fast, Rick. Remember, he loves the hopping and the jumping and the dodging, and he has been proven to be competent, which is a surprising thing in one of these books that we've read. So, it all works in his favor. Necra drops the pear in the hand to go for the one in the bush, and it all comes apart for her. Ricochet checks on his fellow Anons and lets them know that he followed them, because he's that kind of friend and sponsor. Now that they have a calming influence and someone to lead them, they make quick work of this bad lady. A disc to the eye followed by a trip into Maddie's spider arms and a controlled blast by Darkhawk. And that is all she wrote. Now they have a chance to check out the lab and some files that are around. Apparently, Necro was being paid to donate her blood in service to these drug pushers. Not only that, but since there is no one really around to stop it, all second and third rate villains will be matriculating to the west coast to be syrup tapped. Maddie rips into the two for just sitting around while this is happening. But Darkhawk points out that they are trying not to be heroes. So, to recap, Maddie is convincing Chris to help her prevent this from becoming a problem, and Johnny wants to let the others on their not team know about it, which Maddie and Chris don't want him to do. Sounds like fun, right? Not really, but it does sound like more fun than what the rest of their support group is doing, which is sitting around the church basement wondering if they are ever coming back. To be continued. But before we do that, we gotta talk more about this book and this awesome cover in the themes of our issue. So, cover credits. We've talked about it. Let's talk about it just a little bit more. This is drawn by Jason Trent Pearson. And like we said, we have got a pastiche, let's say, of The Breakfast Club. So we all know the, the iconic picture of the members of The Breakfast Club, you know, that lovely 1980s movie of John Hughes movie that we all saw, where they're all kind of sitting around, kind of crouched down, where you've got Molly Ringwall's character laying in the front and then everybody else kind of around her. So we'll go through and tell you which character is in which position and we'll talk about it. So we've got Darkhawk who is standing up backward in the background, who is the Judd Nelson character. We've got Phil Urich and he's sitting in for Ali Sheedy's character. <laughs> so he's the Allison Reynolds, the uh, freak character. He's, he's sitting in for her. Right in the center we've got Turbo as Anthony Michael Hall's Brian Johnson character, kind of the brain of the group. Next to her, we've got Ricochet. He's the jock, Emilio Estevez's character. And then, of course, we've got the princess, Molly Ringwald. Of course, it's going to be Lightspeed is sitting in for that position. So we got to talk about this because I think it's interesting and I think it's kind of telling about 
what they're doing here and how these characters fit in. Because when I first looked at it and I kind of laid them all out, I said, this doesn't fit. I would have chosen different characters for the different, different place. But then I really kind of broke it down a little bit. We've got John Bender. He's kind of the burnout. And, and that's Darkhawk's character. you got the freak, Ali Sheedy's character as... We got Phil in that position. We've got the brain, Turbo. The jock of, as Ricochet and, of course, the princess's lightspeed. And I kind of feel that that fits for the characters. What are you, what's your thoughts on that? No, it totally does fit, honestly. And I mean, if you don't consider a Green Goblin a kind of a freak character, then I don't know. I don't, I don't even know you anymore, Jim. <laughs> so, uh, no, it, it fits. Ricochet is a very physical being, and yeah. so he fits great as, as the jock. Yeah. Chris, Darkhawk, is, well, he's got some problems in the old home life kind of thing. Yeah, he is a bad boy. I mean, it even happens in this comic where it's just like Maddie convinces him to go with him to go like, oh, let's go get the drug dealers. And she's like, okay, stay up here for like a minute. I just want to see what's going on down there. Yeah. And he's like, nope, you brought a big gun to be a big gun. No way I'm rusting up here. Time yeah. to go blasting. It's just yeah. like, you are just, you're just a crazy train, man. You just, yeah. you got some issues. You need to resolve them. Yeah. And the way they're putting Julie's character in here, she is a princess. She's yeah. the pretty blonde princess who is here trying to be an actress. Mm -hmm. She's playing the ditzy part in this. Yeah, and it's not like she came from a bad home life or anything. Honestly, no. her inclusion in the in the whole support group thing and everything is always surprising to me because it doesn't ring true. Yeah, I would agree with that. This is not the Julie that I know, kind of constantly. But it, it, it works, it's fine, it's a storytelling de device. She, of the group, is the princess of it because she's yeah. had, she doesn't have problems really. The more this series goes on the, and the more I see her in this group, she wants to be part of a group. She's used to being yeah. part of a group. So if she's playing this part that she wants to not use her powers anymore and she's trying to do something, she's trying to do something else, else with her life, she's trying to be an actress here, I can get there. It still is a real switch of a character for her. But she's also moving from the adolescence into the teenage years. She's making changes with her life. I'm willing to give some changes for the character doing that. I don't know. I really actually appreciated this cover a lot more once I started breaking it down and thinking about how these characters act in the book mm -hmm. and, and especially reading the entire series through and seeing how these characters fit in. It does fit for them. Because I was like, I almost would put Maddie in here as, as the spider girl. I almost want her to be the freak. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Phil kind of is the brain, but he's not. He's... He's no. got a lot more demons than you really see in this issue. You will see him more as the, as the series goes on. And Turbo is the brain of the group. She is the one who is who is trying to process a lot more. She's the one that's trying to really lead them. Turbo is always... I like Turbo as a character. She was yeah. always very... I liked her power set. I liked her suit. I liked her. I liked, She was intelligent. She had a lot going on for her. She really just kind of needed a little bit of time to kind of become like a team leader. And I think... It also fits that she is part of this group that wants to not be a superhero anymore. Mm -hmm. She, even in the parts of New Warriors that we read, she didn't really want to do it. You know, she she was she kind wanted of pushed to travel. into it. Yeah, she wanted to travel. She wanted to do other things. She thought it was cool, but I, I can see her making the switch of not wanting to do this. Yeah, so. in fact, I think at the end of uh, New Warriors, she was going to share custody with Hindsight yeah. Lad or Hindsight of the suit and then you know in part she was also like i need to step away from being a hero i never planned on doing this i got access to suit 
And I said, you know what? I could travel the world. That's what I want to do. I can travel. I, that's all I want to do. And I happen to be fighting secret shadow government uh, military organizations and aliens and stuff. And it's like, I, I got into this on accident and I just would like to see the world. And I like what Jason Pearson did with this cover too. I was looking him up. He was very active in comics in the mid to late 2000s, actually mid 90s into the 2000s. A little bit still in the in DC with Suicide Squad and things like that afterwards, but he did a lot of Deadpool, uh, some X Force. He did a lot of artwork with that, and I, I really like his covers. I really like his artwork. I think that's very striking and fits very well. Just staying on artwork because I do have this one signed by the artist of the book. I do like the art in this book. It's not art I'm used to. It's that. It's kind of part of what we're really seeing a lot of with the mid-2000s kind of art. It's exaggerated realism, I would kind of call it, where they're, they're really going kind of a lot more glossy look on the characters and having them a little bit more exaggerated. It's not the big buff characters, but they're more realistic looking. Yeah, they are realistic looking. In fact, you kind of don't recognize them for for the characters they are, except for it's, you go, oh, I guess that hair color, and they say their name. Yeah. What are you thinking about the artwork in it? I mean, it's it, it may not be our <laughs> favorite. I mean, yeah. but, you know, we also read a lot of 80s and 90s stuff, so this is There's very, that. very strikingly different from what we're used to. I've said this before. I'll say it again. It is good art. It is not my idealized art. Mm -hmm. It's decent enough. Immediately, I was like, okay, so this is the loner's art style. Yeah. And I'm fine with that. It's not intrusive. It's harder for me to love the art that's in here, but the art is still good. I can respect that. I think the action sequences are are pretty good. I would like them to be a little bit... They're very dark in this because they're fighting in a dark warehouse. Yeah. Uh, so there, there's a lot that goes on. Very simplized backgrounds. When they do have backgrounds, they're good. Mm -hmm. uh, but when in the middle of the big fight sequences, there's, they're not. The big fight with the drug dealer people, it, it was almost just, you know, it's like a page or two of just kind of Passover. It's like, yeah. yeah, stuff's going on. And basically Dark Hawk is murdering a bunch of people. And it looks like Spider Woman's murdering a bunch of people too. But I'm sure they'll be fine. <laughs> well, let's move on and talk a little bit about some of the other stuff in this book. And we're going to talk a lot about what these characters are doing, and what this book is about. This book is talking about addiction. They are coding, I mean, they're in an Anon group. Alcohol, drugs, it's Superhero Anonymous. So what we're really talking about here is addiction. There is an addiction to being a superhero, being a teenage superhero, being a kid superhero. And they talk a lot a bit about that in this book too, with the MGH, the superpowers, saving people. And I mean, we have to talk about it because it's really what the book is really coding as, I think. Uh, what's your feelings on that? No, saying that this book is about addiction is actually pretty good because it is about a group of people trying to not do a thing, which is, you know, kind of a, the basis of addiction. And then also, you know, it's just like they're talking about falling off the wagon. Maddie, when she's like showing Chris, you know, her Spider Woman costume draped over her chest is going, I fell off the wagon. And it's just like, hey, what's it going to take to get you off the wagon? And oh, come on, just one more time. Let's just do it one more time. We can have a, we'll have a cheat weekend kind of thing. Especially, you know, we're probably going to talk about, you know, a little bit later or something we can talk about it now but the whole intro of it 
yeah. you know, with, with Julie. It's just, they don't even show Julie. It's just a random person is talking on the phone to somebody saying, you know, basically they're, they're on a ledge. They're a sandaled foot, flip-flop foot hanging over the thing. The flip-flop falls off. And it's just like, I got to be free. I got to do this thing. And it looks like a suicide, but it's actually a, a regression in the addiction pattern where it's just like, oh, what was her trigger? What triggered her? Oh, it was the tall building. She, you know, anytime she sees a tall building, she's got to go flying. It's kind of like, we got to talk to her about this. And coming to a, in a, a scheduled event late because she's like, oh, it's not a problem because, you know, I fell off my wagon and, you know, went to, went to my crutch, my addiction. And I'm here now. I'm here for the meeting. Of course, I don't want to use my powers. But I did earlier. But, you know, we're going to go partying later kind of thing. It's And then dealing with the uh, mutant growth hormone stuff, which is all it's a drug. And it's all about addiction on that. And saying that this is a comic about addiction is actually a really, really good observation. And dealing with kids or younger people dealing with addictions, you know, people in their 20s. You can't even say, you know, a lot of people talking about early experimenting with drugs, early experimenting with alcohol, all of that goes in there. And, and it, it's more than just substance abuse. There's other kinds of abuse as well. All of that is tied up in here. The The book is saying something. And, and whether it's not saying it well or not, we can talk about that. I mean, it's thinly veiled, but it's not the only thing that's going on here. They are talking about what's the effects on friends? What are the effects on family? What are the effects on the self? How is all this affecting them and their relationships with other people, the relationships with their family? And they talk a little bit about it. Maddie talks about it when she was describing what happened to her and why she's here. The only bad things happened while she was Spider Woman, and she has lost a lot of her family, and she's now living with her stepdad on another coast. You know, we're getting this feeling. Chris talks a lot about how his power is out of control. He can't control it anymore. You know, the addiction's becoming more than what he is. There's the lying, there's the bargaining, there's the lashing out that occurs. All of that is things that happen in these kinds of situations, in these kinds of meetings that they have, and while you're going through the addiction process as well. It's deep stuff. It really is deep stuff that's in here. And they, I think that they do a good job of talking about it. It's a lot deeper than I want my comic book to be. It might not be a comic book series that I would go out and get if it wasn't for the one character that we're talking about. But we're here, and so we should talk about it, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. It's not the tights and fights. We get a little bit of that at the end. I think we've talked a bit about how we... Some of the characters are being stretched a little bit, but it's not far enough to break them. Argument can be made for Julie, that this is not the Julie that we knew in Power Pack, and they're trying to break her character, but I don't think that they do. And throughout the entire series, I don't think that they they really change her so much that she has broken her a different character, which is good, because that would be unforgivable. But I think they're using it very well. I believe you're right when you're talking about Julie, though, is it's we haven't gotten any sense that her power... Well, we don't know, but from what's in the book, we aren't getting that her power or her experiences have really negatively affected her the way it has affected other people. She's always had a good support system. Yeah, it's not something that's alienating her from other people. Maddie has bone legs shoot out of her back. Okay, that can be a little alienating. Yeah. Ricochet is a mutant. Sorry to be the one to say it, but hey, that makes you hated by all uh, Homo sapiens because of reasons. Sorry to interrupt you, but we yeah. are going to get into the next issue. We aren't seeing it here. We'll find out a lot more about him at the next issue where it's going to explain what he has been through and what's brought him here. And I think it it really is going to explain why he wants to not use his powers and not change. Although for him, it's hard because his powers are, he's really, really athletic. Yeah. 
Yeah, don't do athletic stuff. Yeah, and so then it becomes the, well, where's the boundary? I mean, not shooting legs out of your back or not rainbow bright flying around. Those those are definitive cutoffs. But it even shows him when he's in the support meeting, he's like, you know, like balancing three things on his fingertips. He's like yeah. spinning little mini discs and stuff because it's just like, where's the cutoff for him? I run fast. I want to go jogging, but where's the cutoff? Is it sub Usain Bolt? It's a bit of a good Samaritan thing too, is if you see something bad happening and you have the powers to stop it and you have, or the powers to help or something else, should you? The reason why superheroes are any kind of hero gets into these situations, it's because they've got the power to intervene. Mm -hmm. And that's the question you have to ask. Yeah, it's a lot easier for Turbo and or for Mickey and Phil, because they have to go and put on a costume. Yeah. Everybody else can just react and just instantly is. be ready to get, be there. Even Chris, he can react and he's in his armor. Yeah. Instantaneously, he can become Darkhawk in his armored suit and yeah. be flying through space and shooting Ultron-destroying beams and stuff in that fast. We are going to be talking about this a lot more as the series goes on, because this isn't over. We've got six issues to really dive into this we do have the new characters of maddie you like her or not it's a different dynamic with the group i think i want to like her but there's the aspect that she kind of she's lying to her stepdad to get away from new york because of the problems there she wants to come here but to do that okay i gotta go to these support meetings and she's even like going i want to change but also did they buy it yeah that i want to change and could you maybe not change for the day to help me do my revenge plan he 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 yeah so not liking her that much yet mm -hmm. yeah not yet i mean so far they've you know, they've reintroduced everybody and it's just like oh everybody sucks again everybody's kind of got their problems and oh ricochet is like why are we meeting in this you know dump garbage truck church basement again right you know so he's griping and then turbo's calling him on it and being kind of very similar in a catty way and julie's like don't attack me and phil's just trying to keep it on a spreadsheet organized kind of thing so everybody's kind of jerky here's the thing is that i i had to look this up because my first time through i really put this before the runaway series mm, mm -hmm. because it feels like it's before the runaway series yes we have reset to the beginning of the runaways mm -hmm. we ended and they're like you know what we're gonna start doing good yeah. We're going to start doing this. And we know this came from what Brian K. Vaughn wrote, but Sobolewski didn't take up and run with that. He just put them back to the beginning. Yeah, he has his own story that he wants to tell of their origin story again or whatever. The thing is, too, is that his story of, of talking about addiction, because that's what this is about, mm -hmm. it fits better with them being back at the beginning. Yeah, So because uh, at, the, at the end of uh, Runaways or the Runaways We Covered, off the wagon 100%. They're yeah. a, a, a Rick Jones-funded superhero team of cheap IPs. Yeah. When all of them immediately turn around because an aging rock star was like, I love, why don't you be like a superhero? That is not what Rick Jones sounds like. <laughs> yeah, you know what? We don't have anything else going on. And that whole that whole phase we were in where we were like saying our lives were miserable because of powers, we were probably wrong because a rock star told us we were wrong. <laughs> this is going to be an interesting ride. This is, this is going to be a lot less punchy-punchy. This is going to be a lot more character-focused. We're going to be looking at a lot of these things. Yeah, a lot more introspection, a lot more yeah. Yeah, in-house in stuff. It's eliminating the Runaways series yeah. it is resetting it. But at the same time, though, it, I know that this comes after, just because of some of the things that are in the series. And we're going to get to all 
of it. But first, we have to get into our power thoughts. We mm -hmm. have to talk about the things that we like in this book, and we always start off with our gallery of greatness. What piece of artwork in this book needs to be pinned to the walls in the basement of this cruddy, cruddy church that we are forced to meet in? <laughs> Above the meeting schedule for the other Anon groups, we're going to hang some pictures of artwork to make us feel better about ourselves. So let's talk with some backup joke arts. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to go ahead and start with this one. It's on page 12. I call it... Eyes up, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, uh, I get. I I'll be honest. I read these comics, this series, probably ten years ago or something. So there's things that kind of popped back into my memory, and the whole Maddie, who is an attractive young female mm -hmm. with uh, with a nice form, is draping her superhero costume over her chest. She is and not Chris draping is looking, it. She's not. She's she's pulling yeah. it tight over her chest and saying yeah. she fell off, and she's doing yeah, it in front Chris, of Chris. Yeah. Dark hot Chris is looking at the costume, and then and then uh, she takes her takes her costume down to go back to her street clothes, and his eyes have not wavered from no. a uh, eyes up here level. And and her <laughs> comment is, uh, "You can stop staring now." <laughs> I, uh, uh, I was uh, trying to figure uh, out what the uh, material yeah, of your yeah. costume was. Sure, you were. Sure, sure. Because we all were. But yeah, yeah. So I I found that to be <laughs> funny. All right, That's what is your good. backup jo joke one? My backup. joke Joke one is on page 23 of Marvel Unlimited, and it is the next to bottom panel of this page where Maddie is clinging to Necra and Darkhawk is blasting her with his Ultron destroying chest beam. And I call it, it's uh, probably not fatal. <laughs> <laughs> Just because you know, the funny thing on this is that his focused beam is pretty much a cone, and I'm surprised Maddie's arms aren't getting torn from her body at this stage. So it's a force blast. It's like you know Cyclops's optic blast. Okay, it's okay. it's not a laser. <laughs> All right. <laughs> But I, th I thought that Cyclops' eyes were linked to the elemental plane of lasers. It's a debate <laughs> for another day. And also, I know better, and it's a joke that I like to pull on Rick because it pulls his chain. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> if you go to the page before that, on page 22, mm -hmm. the last panel in there, I call this <laughs> it's one, a good one, hey, you got something in your eye. <laughs> yeah. I, this was on my short pull list. It really was, but I, I, I want different ways. It's a great one. Yeah, this one is where Ricochet has... He's taken over the situation. He is attacking Necra, and he places one of his Robin discs... I'm sorry, Ricochet discs. Ricochet discs. <laughs> it's a Robin disc. Yeah. Right is. into her eye with a thunk, and it's, it's a pretty cool shot. So, it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you have for your top funny one. Well, let's go back to page 23 where I was at earlier, and the panel above this is Spider-Woman grabbing Necro with her bone spider legs and jamming two of them into her brain skull area. It looks like it's well into the meat where they might be meeting in between the ears kind of thing, and I call it, it's uh, probably not fatal. <laughs> so, it's still not fatal. It's neither, still one, <laughs> neither one of these is fatal, and yeah. yet... It is fatal. Oh boy, it looks fatal because she's just, I don't know what her powers are, but these big old bone spurs are jammed into somebody's brain pan, and I don't think that's how life works. No, no, that that kills you. Yes. It it will kill you. Yeah, if you, if you take two spikes and jam it into either side of somebody's head until they cling in the middle, then, uh, yeah, I don't think that that's how life is going to... You might be a redneck. Is gonna, yeah, you might be a redneck. <laughs> If you survive that, it's probably not fatal <laughs> is uh, getting bone spurs jammed into your brain. <laughs> How about you? What's your backup best? So on page nine, 
I am going to choose this one, and I call it Alter Egos, and I'm cheating a little because it's kind of four panels that go into one panel, and it's the one where we have Julie talking about all of the different uh, Alter yeah. Eagles, and so you've got, she's talking about Chris, and she's talking about Turbo, or Mickey, and Phil, and Johnny, and as she's talking about them, you see them sitting there listening, and she's telling about them, and you see their costume selves above, and it's a pretty cool picture. I yeah, liked it's a nice it. piece of I art. Liked it. Yeah. I liked it a lot. What about you? My backup best one is on page 21, and it is where Necra has grabbed Darkhawk and has somehow triggered his chest beam to blast Spider-Woman Maddie, who's flying in the middle of the air, you know, towards them, and, you know, bits of costumes flying off Maddie and everything and she's going hard. Can, can I take a guess? Yes. Uh, it's probably not fatal. It's probably not <laughs> fatal. That is what I named this one, you prognosticator, you wordle genius. That's right. I did call this It's Probably Not Fatal. Yeah. I also don't fully understand how Chris's chest beam is going off with Necker just like holding him, but whatever. But I do uh, like I have, that. I, I have I, a theory on it, but we are still family friendly, so I'm not going to uh, say it. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> she's gotcha, activating got, it. I got you. I've... <laughs> I I get it. I like it when people get blasted with something and bits are flying off of them. It's always it's very dramatic and impressive looking. And I just I thought that was really cool. If we go to page three, I'll tell you what my top art is, and it is called Pure Joy. And this is where Julie is. Yeah. It, this is after she's jumped and she is flying and she has a giant smile on her face. She's only wearing one flip flop because the other one has fallen to the ground. Yeah. And for she is just purposes. She is just flying and enjoying the joy of her powers. So pure joy. What about you, sir? My top one is on page 18, and I call it... Um, it probably is not... Fatal. It's probably not fatal. <laughs> That's right. And this is where Spidey Woman and Darkhawk have broken into the drug dealer's area and are murdering everybody indiscriminately. But it's probably not fatal. And this is, uh, uh, it, it's what it's a toss-up. It's between Darkhawk blasting a bunch of drug dealers where just chunks of them are falling off, or the panel right above it where Maddie is stabbing four different people through their torsos with her murder bone spurs. And it, again, it's probably not fatal. You know, the first part of admitting that you have an addiction, you have got a problem, is admitting that you have a problem, like a problem of killing people. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have a problem with killing people in my worldview. It looks like they're really good at killing people. But maybe in the D&D Melee Paliance, they said that they were going for subdual damage. Sure. So All his right, last hits were subdual. <laughs> Let's talk about some childish insults. Mm -hmm. We like the rubber and glue moments in these books, so we want to find out who's got the childish insults. And do you have one to start with, sir? I do. And this is on page nine. And this is after they're talking about, uh, you know, Julie shows up and they're all like, you know, what are you doing? All these different things. And talking about we're trying to do non-costume lives and your aerial joyride undermined to any kind of trust that we may have gained. And Darkhawk Chris is all like, why do we even bother? It's just going to go in one ear and out the other with Tinkerbell here. Nothing ever sinks into her. Yeah. It's Tinkerbell? Mm -hmm. just, yeah. Yep, yep. Just saying she's got, you know, tunneled, you know, air between the brain and Tinkerbell and just all that... It's very insulting. Yeah, very much so. Very much mm -hmm. so. I agree. That's a good one. But my back one is on page four. And this one's coming from Ricochet. Mm. And, well, it's kind of a mixture, actually, between Ricochet and Turbo. It starts off with Johnny saying, whatever. And Mickey, eloquent as always, Johnny. Verbosity is not one of my mutant powers, but constant <laughs> bitching is. <laughs> I, I, I approve of that. <laughs> yeah. I approve of that 
mightily. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I got. What, what about you? What, what's your top one? My top one is on page 16, and it's also a ricochet one. Uh-huh. And this is after uh, Maddie has convinced Darkhawk to fall as far off the wagon as humanly possible and fly her to a drug den. Mm-hmm. Literally going to a drug den. The person in the shadows, who we find out very quickly later, is Ricochet going, and the Academy Award goes to... Maddie Franklin, it looks like. Yeah. So, yeah, I just like the this Academy is, Award going to somebody this is, who's this acting. This is a mocking that, yeah, the acting. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Funny enough, I'm also going to choose Johnny for my top one here. And nice. this one is is further on. This is when he joins back up with them at the warehouse. And oh, he's talking about what Necro's done. And he points out that she cleaned your clocks mm-hmm. like a couple of amateurs. Yep. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah, he sizes up the entire situation. He's like, you know what? Y'all suck. All right. Yeah, and, and the fact that they're like, hey, we're a little out of practice. And he's like, yes, you are. And let the pain that you're suffering right now be an indicator of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> I, 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 that's going to get us into the most popular and most shunned. And I'm just going to, mm-hmm. I know we don't start with the best, but I'm going to start with the best because we're just talking about him. For me, yeah. it's Ricochet, hands down. He How had- dare you, sir? How dare you, <laughs> Sully? So, oh wait, we're doing the best. best. Yeah, it's Ricochet. It's Ricochet's yeah. the best for me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, plain and simple. Everything about him was uh, amazing. Yeah, I have just consistently liked Ricochet. Yeah, from Runaways to here, I knew nothing about him other than seeing like him in. There's an ad for him. Oh, it shows Ricochet and he's throwing a Robin disc, and I'm like, I had no idea who this yeah. character is. He's awesome. Yeah, for some reason or other, I'm kind of looking. I'm like. I don't think we're supposed to like him this much. I think he's really supposed to be boring, but I kind of like him. He's got, yeah. he is Spider-Man light. He is Peter Parker yeah. light. He is. He um, even, he, he, in Runaways, he was talking about how he, he hung out with a, a bunch of Spider-Man wannabes. Yeah, he, he is definitely a Spider-Man type of clone. Mm-hmm. That's okay. That's cool. But I, I like his power. I like his attitude. He's just about right. But he, everything he does in here is good. He follows yeah. his friends. He saves his friends. Mm-hmm. He has spot on takes on all of them so mm-hmm. no I, I like it Let, let's talk about the worst though i think we're gonna have the same worst on this one too it's gonna be a pretty M- surprise a t t i e is maddie is maddie really you yeah, got that's maddie. what i'm saying i actually I got have dark hawk but I can, i'm not surprised I by can, that but i'm gonna say maddie i can see why you've got maddie mm-hmm. yeah i've got i not surprised by yours i don't think you're surprised by me no yeah. Both are great choices. Yeah. Maddie and Chris, um, we can talk about them together, really. I mean, <laughs> Maddie tempts Chris. Yes. Chris allows to be tempted. <laughs> yes, quite quickly. It, that was so barely a temptation for Chris to fall off his own personal wagon. It Was it, though? I mean, yeah. you know. He, he, he did not want to fall off the wagon until she was just like, hey, don't you want to clear your name? Remember how Drug Hawk, do you remember Drug Hawk, where they're she, saying that you gave your powers to people for money and he's she, like she tempts his curiosity she tempts his ego she tempts yeah. his sexuality yeah there is a lot that that was tempting there the reason why i didn't go with maddie is because he does not go stealthy <laughs> oh well here's the problem are you blaming the mental illness on the person who has it fair enough Fair enough. She even says this, like, oh, I have a terrible taste in men of the people that I picked to try and get me to help me. Why did I pick basically the crazy one? And it's like, yeah, he's unstable. Yeah. And he knows that. And that's why in, not that it matters anymore, but back in Runaways, he was like, I need to step away yeah. from this. I cannot be 
an eye in the sky. I cannot be an yeah. armored juggernaut. I cannot do this. I can be I can be the guy in the chair. I won't be great at it, but I'll totally be the guy in the chair. And here he is the loaded gun that's just bouncing around in the back seat waiting to go off. Yeah. All you're in a four by four going on a on a rough country road and this is just something that it's triggered, it's ready to go. Yeah. We we got a couple of real smart characters here that are doing things. All mm-hmm. right. Let's go ahead and talk about some top grades. We need to evaluate this issue against the rest of the issues that we're putting in this batch of adjacent power pack comics, we're calling them. And mm-hmm. we're starting off with Uncanny X-Men number 205, Wounded Wolf. Midway down the list in number four, we have Runaways volume two, number six, so the final one of the Runaways series. And then we have Runaways number two, True Believers. That's the bottom of the list. Interesting question. Where mm-hmm. are we going to be putting this one here? The, I'm going to say right now, this is no Wounded Wolf. <laughs> no, 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 no. But no. Hmm. there's a lot of good meat in here. There's a lot of good discussion points in here. And there I think is a number of things. For me, it's a little bit of a forgettable book, but at the same time, mm-hmm. reading it, it's a good start to the series. I'm interested enough that I want to keep going. Okay. But it's one of those things where when I picked this back up, because I, I read it, put it aside, and I picked it back up to read it before this, and I'm like, can't remember this series at all. <laughs> can't remember what it's about. I remember the gist of this series, but not the not the nuances. Yeah. But I, I think there's some good meat in here, and I think there's some good discussion points in here. So I don't think it's the bottom of the list. No. Let's go to spot number five and discuss that, and that's Runaways uh, number four where the kids try to figure out who Vic's daddy is. It's a very talky. Yes. Yes, it this is. This had a fair amount of talky going as well. Yeah. Not to the same degree, but there was, there, there was some dense word stuff, usually from Phil and Turbo, where it was like, I don't care what you're saying. Yeah. And there was a lot of talking in, you know, figuring out who, who, who Vic's dad was. So... I think better worse. I think that this is a little bit better than that one, just because this is a first issue, and I think that it does what it's going to do. It sets out the thesis of what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. It starts to put out what we think is going to be. Well, I mean, we don't know. It puts out a good MacGuffin about what the kids are going after. Hey, there's some guys out here that are doing this MGH thing. Mm-hmm. We want to get invo- We want to see what's going on with this. This is kind of a big thing. It's going to bring a lot more villains out here. That's going to tempt us. We don't want to fight. We've got addiction going on here. I I think there's a bit more here. There's a bit more consequence to what's going on. I kind of like this one a little bit more. That's just me, though. I could agree with that. Then above it, we have True Believers Part 6. I think I still like that one a little bit more. Yep. I, I think this is a good number five. I agree. I think that this slots into there very nicely. And this, this is going to be very difficult because we're, I mean, until we start breaking this up a bit more, we've got, we have two series that are basically talking about many, one thing. we got a little mini series or mini arcs here. So it's going to be splitting some hairs as we go through this, but I think it'll it be fun. It really will be. And yeah. they're going to be, they're shorties too. So, you know, it's like six on the previous, seven on this. Yeah. So yeah, there's going to, there's definitely should be some interlacing. Yeah. All right. That brings us to our beer, Hop Tricks by Matchless Brewing. <laughs> Much more lighter than the comic itself. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm just going to say right now, this is a breakfast club I want to be part of. Yeah, I, I'm mm-hmm. enjoying this one. This is a very mm-hmm. tasty beer. Yeah, it's great. I'm not getting the bitterness that I usually get on a beer this late in the night from an IPA. 
Mm-hmm. I'm getting micro bitterness on the tongue as I swallow. That's it. fine, but so but it it is nothing to like be like this is the point of no return. I'm gonna say that this is a good a good four for me. How about you? I agree. Uh, it's a solid four. I would I would totally keep drinking this. I would drink this again happily. It's not the most amazing beer in the world, but few are. But this it it, it hits a lot of notes that I like. It is light. It drinks easy. It drinks clean. The flavor all you know from the beginning to the end is predominantly very pleasant. The just cracking that can and pouring it. I could have just sat here and smelled it for a half hour. It smelled so nice. All right. All right. So, yeah, good strong four. Okay, then a four for both of us. Mm-hmm. And since we both like this beer, I know something else that we both like, and that is Kid's Perspective. And that's where Rick talks to his 11-year-old daughter, Carrie, about the issue that we just covered. So, Rick and Carrie, take it away. Good morning, Carrie. Good morning, Dad. How are you today? Good and you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm getting ready for this conversation because I know you've got a lot of questions as we talk about loners. we got six issues of the loners that we're going to talk about. Today, we're just going to talk about the first issue. I guess I should start off by asking, do you know what that cover represents? No. <laughs> that that cover is is representing a, move, a very famous movie poster from the 1980s. Yeah, so I don't know. Okay. <laughs> So that cover there is from a 1980s movie called The Breakfast Club, which I'm not going to show you yet, but someday soon, someday soon. Uh Anyways, uh, it was directed by somebody named John Hughes. And for all these six issues, we are going to see different movie posters from John Hughes movies that have been redone with these characters. Oh, so that's why Julie looks slightly longer and taller than she actually is. Well, she's... They are... Presenting her as a 17-year-old in this run. So she is older than you know her, and she's taller than you know her. She's always been tall in, the, in regular books, too, but yeah, she's a little different in here. We just have to get accept that. Yeah. Okay, so the book itself, you have questions. Yes. So at the very beginning, I have no idea what's going on. So she's jumping off a building, but she flies? Like, what's wrong with that? Okay, so a lot of different things are going on here. Julie and everybody else coming over from Runaways, they've been part of a group of people who were younger kids who had powers or who were superheroes, and they are trying not to be superheroes anymore. It's like a retirement club? Well, sort of. It's more of a... They are saying that being young... As a superhero, they were addicted to the power, to the fame, to the excitement, and they're trying to get away from that because it endangered their lives. So addiction is very difficult. Addiction is something that you luckily don't have to deal with, but it's something you need to be aware of as you get older. People get addicted to things. Um, A lot of them are bad for your health. A lot of them cause you mental, physical, or social impairments. There are things that that you will you can do or you can take that you can become addicted to and it causes you the rest of your life to spiral out of control Mm. and so they're doing a lot of parallels to addiction within this book okay okay so the beginning starts off with julie who is part of this group who has said that she is not going to be a superhero anymore she's not going to use her powers well she was walking by a building and she just had to jump off it and fly she just had to 
be herself? Exactly. And that's one of the questions that this series kind of asks, especially for people who have powers that are part of them, not who wear suits to create powers or get their powers from something else, but people like Julie or people like Johnny, they have powers that are, that are part of them. And, and Maddie, who you met in this one as well, mm -hmm. they've got powers that are pow part of them. It's a little more difficult to separate that out where I'm not going to use something that I can do naturally. It's really hard to do that, right? Right. It's like you like to draw. What if we told you you could never draw again? That'd be very odd and strange, but that would not go very well with me. Yeah, yeah, that's part of the questions. There, there's a lot of other things in here. I'm not going to lie. This is a more mature comic than you really have read yet. And and some of the themes in here are going to be much more mature. Um, and I, I'm reading this with you, and I will talk to you about those those things as they come up. So is there any other questions that you have? Necro... Why does she wear so little clothes? I can't explain a lot of Necra besides that was the design that she was given when she was created as a character. Uh, she's been around for quite a while. As she gets more angry, she, her power gets more increased. She's got a lot of rage built up in her. And she likes to wear skimpy black clothes. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But that is that is that is her character. Anything else I can try to answer? <laughs> Why does Maddie seem kind of I don't get I don't really get Maddie actually because at the beginning she seemed kind of shy and then she's saying it was all act and she's acting really like what? Well, I don't know much more about Maddie than what's in here too. I haven't read any of her prior stories, but how she explains it is she's gone through some difficult times. She's got some innate powers, but then you also see the moment where she grows the, the spider legs out of her back. So that is a painful aspect of her power. She was kidnapped and used to... these this, Her blood was extracted from her to make a certain drug that other people could use. Kind of like Necra, right? Yeah, Necra was doing that... Necra asked for that to be done to her so she could get money. Yeah, but... But, but Maddie Ma had been forced. She's angry about that. She's trying to rebuild her life, but she also is not one to let things go. She's very emotional about these things, and she likes to think first with her feelings than with her thoughts. Okay. Okay? Okay. Do you want to be like Maddie? Probably not. No, don't be like Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she gets Chris and Johnny follows them to go and help her track down this lab where these experiments are going on, right? Well, actually, she had Johnny, or no, 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 Chris yeah. do it, but then Johnny, like, appeared. So. John, Johnny followed them, yeah. yeah. Which of the characters do you like the most so far in this series? I don't know. I mean, from the... From the Runaways, I really like Julie and Ricochet. Yeah. Everybody else was just really unstable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you are wrong. I don't think you are wrong. The, they are not... They're not a very... Stable. Stable team. No. No. Anything else you want to talk about this first issue? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. I know this is a bit of a slog for you to get through these, but we, we'll do the best we can. Okay? Okay. All right. I love you, honey. Love you, too. Mwah. Carrie, always amazing to have you here with us. So glad for your take on things. Thank you for being here with us so much. 
Shout out time. We like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. And this is for episode 102, where we talked about Runaways number four. Charles Gears. Chris at BTO and Bat Books. Clinton Robison and his podcast, Fam Film Fridays and Coffee and Comics. Hoover Jeremiah and his podcast, Four Million Years Later. Indie Angel by Ghost Squad. Jeremy Daw. Keith Baker. Limax 7. And Limax says, So, in the first five minutes, you mentioned Psychonauts, which I played and never finished, and The Bobs, which I discovered in the 80s while in college in Idaho. That's really funny, since they're local to me. And our buddy, Malifor Life. Matthew Birdsey. New Warriors Talk. Nicholas Prom and his podcast, Captain Freakout Psychedelic Radio. Ranger Gord. Stephen Gray. Tim Price, the podcrasher, in his podcast, The Outcasters. And he said, I refuse to relax until it shows up in my podcatcher. The wait, this waiting is interminable. Oh, there it is. Waffles, and his podcast, Waffles and Mario Talk About Things. Weird Warriors Podcast. The worst comic podcast ever with Colin Stapleton and Jerry McMullen. And we'd love to thank our Patreon supporters. Please, if you would like to help support us and pay for our lovely beers that we buy, you can do so on Patreon. And be just like adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging cheesy and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Exciting, energetic, and entertaining Edward Verrochi. Intelligent, interesting, and innovative Isaac Perry. Jesting, joking, and jovial Jeff Pullier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Rudely rhyming and running Rustin Fritcher. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zorar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Strange and stirringly steady Stephen Gray. Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Technically terrific and triumphant Toddy Knock. Way, way wordy and wobbly waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky wind. Be sure to check out the other shows that we're on. We have some junior agent submissions on the MI6 Rogue Agent episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast and my awesome show, Monthly Monday Movie Muck, about On the Long Box Crusade Podcast. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of one pair of reading glasses, which is all I need right now because my eyesight is so much better after cataract surgery in Portland, Oregon. If you'd like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present, com. Also, our YouTube channels that Jeff and Rick present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as 
always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time, costumes, costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Sheep May Safely Graze. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Acomptech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Artist, Carl Malone. Nope. Artist, Carl Maline. Maline? Moline? Molin? Executive <laughs> Editor, Tom... Why has everybody got worse names ever? Shik, shik. She has vampiric looks, and she favors wearing scraps of black lycra. She has vampiric looks. Vampiric. Vampir. Vampliers. Vampmarkplier. She has vampiric... Vamp, she has vampiric looks, and she favors wearing... Vampiric. Vampir. Vampiric. Vampiric. Shik, shik. Hey... Here, I'm going to wait for a second until toilets stop flushing and kids stop screaming about needing to go potty and water stops running. So we'll get right back to it. Shik, shik. Jerry McKellen. McMullen. Mc, 